Number nine. Number nine. Number nine. The following takes place between 1 p.m. and 3 p.m. Randomly, I started real quick as I'm just setting up some other stuff. I I um uh-huh. I was playing some old game from a couple of years ago that Kiefer did a voice in. Um, it's it's a World War II game, and he's some random sergeant just shouting out orders. And he sounds very much like Easy Paycheck Kiefer, and I think Easy Paycheck Kiefer is not so great. Okay. I imagine him just kind of standing at the microphone, reading off sheets of paper, and just kind of like flicking them to the floor as he's finishing them, and saying, all right, I'm done, and he leaves. Um, well, yeah, paycheck is paycheck, I guess. Yeah. Uh, welcome back to uh, 24 Living Another Day podcast, which I affectionately call uh, Cast Another Day. Uh, I am Austin. I am virtually seated across the city. From our other co-host, David. Hello, David. Hi, guys. This is David, and every time I am on a plane, I think of George Mason. That's who I am on your phone. That's right. When people call me on my phone, uh, it's a 24 character. Austin is George Mason. Um, And we're here today to talk about 24 Live Another Day, episodes 3 and 4. We had to double up due to some uh, issues last week that we couldn't record. Um, so what were your impressions on 9.3 and 9.4? So I'm, if I recall, um, your general impressions of episode three, I think I'm probably on slightly the opposite spectrum. I found myself, it wasn't a bad episode by any means. I found myself slightly underwhelmed and I don't, I can't really put my finger on why, although... I ha- I suspect some of it has to do with the British terrorist family, um, and I get I guess just the 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 bit of time that Jack and Chloe spent in the WikiLeaks base. I guess I kind of lost my focus on the episode. I kind of you know stopped really paying that close attention. Even on the second watch, I was kind of like uh, I was drifting in and out. Kind mm-hmm. of maybe it was my fault. Maybe it was a, a result of just the scenery and, and, and the presentation and all, but I found myself mostly engaged um, when, when we were talking about um, Heller, uh, Audrey, and you know some other things. And, and, and the, the final scenes were pretty entertaining as well. My favorite part being, they're shooting at us! <laughs> and, and him kind of sounding pretending to play the sissy kind of like oh no we're in trouble type of guy that i like seeing him do um, yeah that, w- yeah, that was, was a lot of fun that was that was entertaining um and it was an effective the... you know, typical jack bauer move and not of one course. That we've seen him do in the first uh, eight seasons of the show of course um but yeah a, a little underwhelmed but maybe, maybe i watch it a third time and, and things are different um but i i think that turned around uh, when we get to episode four, but what what about you? I I know you. I think I I think you had a more positive outlook on episode three. I I thought episode three had a great opening fifteen minutes, and that just so got me in the mood. Mm-hmm. Uh, the middle of it was let's just say acts two, three, and four were fine, you know, uh, functional, and I thought sure. that the closing um act with Jack starting the whole crisis at the embassy and Heller appearing before Parliament was terrific. So it, it started so well and ended so well, and mm-hmm. I also felt episode three set up a episode four nicely, and by the time I saw episode four, uh, I definitely, um, it, episode three was proven to be a great setup. Um, you know, the big moment in episode three to me really came with uh, Chloe 
telling Jack what happened to her family, follow, mm. uh, which followed Chloe seeing a child and father, rem, you know, reminiscent of Morris and Prescott, and letting uh, the terrorists get away. But I thought that was just a really strong moment and a great scene for Keeper and Mary Lynn Rice Club. And uh, just that, that, that really got things going. It was a genuine emotional moment for the show. Uh, and there were some nice little points sprinkled in there. I did like uh, Adrian Cross saying to Jack, you know, you have a rude habit of asking for things <laughs> with a gun in people's faces. And he got Jack to say please. And then he, you know, double-crossed them anyway. So I thought three started so well, ended so well, and maybe the middle just, you know... Sagged a bit. Sagged or um, meandered. I was certainly had some issues uh, with parts of the White House story or maybe where the White House story was headed. Mm -hmm. um, but what do you, uh, I guess, want to talk a little bit about Chloe's uh, family? Yeah. Or uh, Chloe, Chloe's, uh, you know, former family, sadly. Yeah. Yeah, and and actually, I was going to bring that up as the very next comment that I had about that episode is, I, for some reason, the first time I was watching this, and, and maybe this is leading to, to 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 it was probably my fault a little bit that I found the episode underwhelming. But the first time I saw it, I was actually uh, uh I was underwhelmed by that scene as well. I was I was watching it and I was like, okay, you know, I don't I don't I don't necessarily feel am feeling the type of sympathy that I should be for her. I'm not really engaged in what she's saying, and you know it. It kind of sounds hokey, uh, w which it isn't, because I saw it a second time, and and I really said, okay, this this is one of those scenes that I have to now sit down and say. Last time I didn't quite get it, and this is such an important scene for many reasons. So let me actually focus on it and and see where it takes me. And upon the second viewing, I thought Rice Gub's performance in that was much better than I initially remembered it being. Um, Jack's response was fine. It was, it was. T I think it was typical of the way that he would respond in that. I didn't see anything special in that. I was more touched by how, uh, you know, how Reiska responded in in her character. Um, so that was one of the scenes that turned around for me upon a second viewing. Uh, as far as from a plot perspective, um, I still sort of find it a little hokey. I get, I guess. Um, and, and I think that's an initial reaction to. Oh, they got hit by a truck, and that kind of and this is not to um, downplay the tragedy of such a thing, but I, I guess in a show where may and, and again this may be my own fault, but always expecting some type of intrigue and um and and conspiracy behind things, it's like oh they got hit by a truck, kind of rings as like okay well that was a little anticlimactic, and then. You know, I'm reminded, you know, a little bit, a few lines later that she's like, oh, she thinks it happens because she knows, you know, what Jack did in season eight. And she's the one who knows. And they, that was actually not an accident. That was a targeted thing, you know. But but it, it, it upon a second viewing and even a third viewing, it takes that line to bring me back to, oh, right. It wasn't just some stupid accident. It probably happened for a reason. And there is intrigue behind it. So, well, again, maybe, I don't, maybe not. Yeah, um, that's a good you know, point. As I was watching that scene, I actually thought to myself uh, that, hmm, just a tragedy that had nothing to do with anything happened in the world of 24, right. and that's, that's upsetting. And I thought that actually had a lot of dramatic weight. And then Chloe said, this is what happens to people that know Jack's secret. And I actually kind of wondered if this is Chloe trying to make sense of a personal tragedy, or mm. if this 
was actually something that's more conspiratorial, right? Or was Chloe even just trying to, you know, twist the knife into Jack a little bit? Uh, you know, a variation on Heller's line from 620 when he says that Jack's cursed and everything he touches winds up dead. Yep. And Chloe just saying, wow, this is just bad karma or something. So I thought that that actually kind of made the scene and maybe set up a bit of a mystery going forward if there's something uh, related to, be, to Jack's yeah. departure um, that got Morris and Prescott killed. Um, but poor little Prescott, man. Uh, yeah, it's, 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 a, you know, it's always fuck, a tragedy. I want, but... I, 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 I'm kind of sad I'm not going to see Morris again. All right. Yeah. I, I like Morris O'Brien. Okay. You know, Morris O'Brien is, he's got to be the number one 24 character I'd like to just watch go on the date. <laughs> All right. Like if you can watch anyone with his charm and his flitty looks and comments and, 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 and everything, like really, I mean, do you want to watch Jack Bauer go on a date? I mean, that's got to be like, uh, uh, what about Steven Saunders going on a date? I mean, I feel like Steven Saunders is charming, but eventually he's, he's just going to, you know, He's not going to beat around the bush. I think Morris kind of would enjoy being on the sure. date. Wow, I think we need to have just a brief a aside. A, a brief aside on twenty-four characters you'd like to see on a first date. I mean, Morris is in, <laughs> Morris is in there. Chloe to get in there. together, not just oh this person, but a pairing. Oh, I mean, if you want to do pairings too, but oh boy, let, let's just go with individual. Whether they're with the twenty-four character or not, Morris, right? Definitely Chloe. I mean, imagine. Her comments when a, a dude's trying to impress her on a first date. You know I mean, what's be, before you go be on? Priceless. There was some sketch show that she was on where she was going on a first date with somebody, and that was exactly how I would have pictured it. Oh, I, I, I guess you're talking about that thing that aired on Fox during 24 season four. Yeah, like I forget Kelsey what it Grammar. is. Uh, I don't. I know what you're talking about, um, but I don't remember the name of it. So anyway, yeah. we have we have Chloe um, and Morris on the date. I mean. I, I mean, I guess Mandy could always be interesting. Does she wear a bra? And how soon do, does it come up where she just reveals screw, whether or not she starts screwing the dude? I mean, that's pr that's probably going to happen. Um, are we missing? Um, well, that date's going to end in a felony, you know. Mason, jo you know George Mason making making comments. He he would be a good yeah. one. Uh, oh, he, he, here's oh, come on, Martha Logan. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> M um, Martha Logan would be one. Uh, I don't know. Those, those are the ones that come to mind as just entertaining to, to be a fly on the wall for one of their dates. I was, I was gonna... Uh, this is based off the strength of his awkward, like, awkward sympathy hug of, of Michelle Dessler, but oh, Ryan part, of me, part of me wants to see a pairing of Ryan Chappelle and Chloe or someone else who's awkward. Could be. I don't know that yeah. that would actually play out well, but part of me just wants to see it happen. Yeah, I feel like on a date, Ryan Chappelle's the, the low-confidence guy who's trying to not say anything that will embarrass himself and then just ends up talking about all this boring stuff at work. And he probably yeah. ends up complaining to this, you know, woman that he met online um, sure. about, like, these guys, Jack and Tony, who work for him that don't listen to a thing that he says. Potentially a transvestite because he wasn't looking carefully. Uh, potentially. So anyway, that's... um. <laughs> That's a, a nice brief aside into the world of 24 dating. I think um, I see a new list for you to write up. I, I think I might have to might have to write this list. Um, so may, maybe next week. But anyway, that's that's what happened with Chloe O'Brien, and that was I thought sad and effective, and definitely uh, went a long way to explaining the character's transformation from sure. the end of season eight. 
into season nine. Um, my, mom, my mom had a great comment uh, when I asked her what she thought of the episode. She was like, why does Chloe look like a witch? And I was like, <laughs> well, that's what sad people um, who in high school look like when they decide to be goth. So I, I don't think she knew what that meant, but... Uh, I yeah, like I don't. I don't think your. I don't think your mom gets goth. <laughs> no. Um, no. So. So you know. Anyway, that that's where Chloe wound up. Uh, what's your What are your thoughts now on the White House story? And I guess there. I guess there are two parts to the White House story. There's the Heller being a leader and maybe de- dealing with his dementia, all the early onset Alzheimer's, and then there's Mark Bordeaux being shady as all hell. Yeah, I. You know, I. So the what's in it for me is definitely the the Heller character, and his progression uh, from what we knew him to be to what he is now. The I I I constantly feel like there. It, it almost feels like uh, Mark is being forced into this heel character, and I guess uh, because you have to have one, and. Maybe Which you, you don't. really don't, but yeah. Yeah, maybe you don't. You know, maybe, you know, of course there's going to be a foil. Um, does, and, and I guess they, there's the mentality that, you know, if Navarro's the initial, well, hold on. Um, what's, uh, what's Chris Partlow's character's name in 24 again in this, in this season? Eric Ritter. Okay. So if Eric's supposed to be a foil and then Navarro's the foil behind the foil. And now Mark Pedro is the foil behind the foil behind the foil, you know, to our hero. It eh, does it have to be so layered? Does it have to be because because you, you, now you start seeing the Marine act the way that he does in the next episode, you know, all defined like oh I'm you know I'm going in. Although that's slightly different. That could be just a a cultural thing with you know a macho soldier type acting out you know his authority over something. But it's like. It's not that I mind the role of a Brian Hastings type character. It's that now it's so multi layered that it's just like, how many incompetent people does it take to 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 unscrew a light bulb and drop it to the floor? You know what I mean? Sure. Um, I mean, I wouldn't call Boudreaux incompetent. I no, mean, no, no, no. Uh, yeah, I'm still fine with him. I like Donovan's performance. I'm yes, I do. Less pleased with what he's been doing in episodes three and four than I was in episodes one and two, where I love the debate prep scene and his perspective. I get what he's doing, what he's doing. And if this remains the extent to what he does, what he's doing and the motivation behind it, I'm cool with it. But that was a bit of a red flag when he uh, signed Heller's name on the rendition form. And when he's really pushing for things so strenuously, um, but by the way, I did just look this up. The name of the sketch show with Mary Lynn Rice Cup that aired in 2005. Are you ready for it? Uh-oh. The name of it was The Sketch Show. <laughs> <laughs> Why would they name it that? I don't know. Oh. <laughs> so, um, I think right, technically then. it might have been called Kelsey Grammer Presents The Sketch Show. But okay. um, but it was The Sketch Show. Anyway, uh, yeah, so I'm, a, I'm less thrilled with the... Mark Bordeaux part of it. We'll have to see where it goes, but that's that, that's a bit of a red flag there. Yeah, and, I agree. You know, that's that's fine. I'm still liking Heller going before Parliament, and I'm glad he stood tall in that setting. Yes, yes, and and I think uh, I I don't know if we're ready to bleed into episode four or just like kind of blend it I think in. I'm, but I'm I'm kind of looking at the two of them together. Yeah, um, you can look at it however which way you want. Yeah, it, like. 
what was what was a little disappointing to me was that we didn't get to see so so you see him go up there you see him get heckled and then the next time you see him he's wrapping up and i think what i was looking forward to is the 30 does, seconds after he got heckled <laughs> right how does like how does heller handle that what did he say to turn heckling to applause although perhaps that's just them being cordial after the fact you know what what is the turnaround what caused the 180 or even if there was one at all like i would have liked to see a little bit more than just him wrapping that up nicely. Right, I, I would have liked that as well. I think that's probably something that's going to wind up on the cutting room floor. Yeah. Or wind um, up on the cutting room floor. Yeah, but it was just, it was one of those things I was looking forward to seeing, um, and, and I just didn't get to. But, um, I, you know, again, he, he is the, probably the more, if not the most intriguing uh, of the arcs for me personally, just, you know, just because of my interest in seeing you know where his character goes and i guess um i i guess the opposite could be said about mummy um miss michelle fairly i i so from episode three to episode four like this i i guess i just spent the entire time with her family thinking boy this is just weird this is weird and it's not that it's especially more weird than the strange things we've seen out of some stranger characters on Twenty Four, but it just there's there's there there's less there's more creep and less intimidation, I think, with her character um, that than I think they want to that, that I think they're intending to pull off. And I, I don't know how how else to explain it other than I'm not scared of her. I'm just weirded out by her. And you know, Navi Raz. While I wasn't entirely 100% scared of him, I was like, okay, he's, you know, he's on point. He knows what, what the fuck he's doing. You know, he's going to be a real threat. Um, and I just, I, I, don't, I don't get that same, um, I don't get that same vibe from her. The Salazars, you know, as bungling as we like to picture them in an endearing way, like, they, they kind of had a different rapport with each other that, that wasn't like, oh, this is weird. They, you know, they, there was something to them. The, this this M Michelle Fairley's or I should I should call her by her character name Margot what is it Al Harazi, uh that is her name yeah. something like that um it, I don't know is is it the oddness of there being um I, I guess not fitting a a a racial stereotype maybe like I, or, I, a gender, I mean, or a gender or a gender stereotype or a gender I mean stereotype. I actually find I actually find her to be fairly intimidating and quite skilled as a terrorist I mean I like that she spies on her own daughter yeah okay I think that's that's good. She knows what's up, and she knows how to get the business done. Um, so that, I thought that was cool. And, you know, they need uh, Navid, which is Simone's husband, to start to pilot the drones. And, uh, you know, I'm kind of just watching that, that story unfold over the two episodes. And, you know, you kind of get the feeling, you know, where it's going. You know, he's going to try to escape. Yeah. Marva's going to kill Navid. And they, I like that they went the other way. Uh, you know, as... And, you know, she was willing to torture her own daughter to have her, her finger be cut off and you saw it pop up off the table, oh, which oh, I loved it. Absolutely, oh. absolutely, absolutely loved it. That was a great image. Yeah, um, for, for sure. Yeah, sure. Great I, image. I, I, I thought that was, that was pretty badass. So I, it's yeah. definitely creepy. I mean, she's watching her own daughter uh, have sex with her husband. Uh, but I'm definitely a fan of the degree to which she will go to pull off her plans. That, of course, it's 24, yeah. so I wonder if there's someone behind her. 
Sure. Although with 12 episodes, that might not be the case. Uh, and I, I'm hoping for more of Mummy. I'd like to see, learn a little bit more about her motivation and things like that. Let's, let's put it this way. Uh, it, it, and, and now that I'm thinking about the two things together, where from a Mark Boudreau perspective, I like him as a character, but I don't like what they're necessarily putting him through right now. Mm-hmm. I am not so sure about this family as characters, but I liked those instances in episode four of what they did. So it's kind of like the reverse. And I, I'm totally with you. I think that that um, de-pinkying scene was gross, harrowing, and completely appropriate for the show. And, and you know, as a result, completely entertaining. Um, it's just that I, I, I guess the, the things surrounding that, you know, the vibe... I'm very much about the vibe and, and, and kind of intangible things that may not make any make, make any sense. But for me, the vibe is just less... Uh, it, it's less where I want it to be out of the villains. And I guess that's okay because there's a lot of other stuff going on. Sure. Okay. That's that's fair. And we got to see our first dismemberment of the season. <laughs> and 24 is, as you know, rife with uh, dismemberments. Uh, How many so far? Uh, like I have a to, lot. I'd have to, you know, I was going, when I saw that scene and it went to commercial, I started thinking, I said to, uh, everyone who was watching it with, with him, like, so, what seasons don't have dismemberments? Yeah, that's I, what I started you going through me. all of them. So yeah. season, season one had Jack cutting off cutting the, off uh, henchman's thumb yep. in, in episode two because, uh, he was trying to make an ID. Yep. Season two had Marshall Gorin's head. Had Marshall Gorin's head being cut off and Miguel's leg. Okay. Oh, right. R.I.P. Miguel's leg. Can we get a silent clock for Miguel's for a leg? leg? Silent clock over. All right. Um, season three. Uh, you know we have Chase's hand. All right. I couldn't think of one in season four, nor could I think of one in season five. In season six, we had Dimitri Gradenko's arm. Yes. In season seven, we had Henry Taylor's finger, and in season eight, we had Renee Walker uh, chopping off Zia's thumb. She or cut cutting. off thumb. You cut off thumb. She cut off thumb. So, which one did we miss? Season five, season four, and five. Season four and five. Uh, I don't recall one of them, you know, happening in there. Did he do anything to? Uh, did he do anything to Paul Rains when he was torturing him with the lamp electricity? No, right? He didn't. He, he didn't cut off anything. anything. Off. No, no. Okay. Um, uh, season five. Mm, I, they didn't do anything to Howard Byrne character to his Howard finger. Howard Byrne they, was in season four. They, oh, that's right. They they did no. not, nothing to Howard Byrne finger. They keep him intact. Um, I yeah, you're right. Um, I don't recall oh. anything in four and five. Nothing, nothing with any of uh, the Irwich crew or the uh, Baresh crew or the Birko crew. There wasn't anything in the White House story going on with Aaron Pierce. And, and Justin Adams, there wasn't anything. I don't recall Jack going on the warpath. Nothing with Henderson or Colette Stenger or anything like that. So, yeah, Henderson's wife four, was the knee, was the was the shot he, in the leg. He shot no her in the leg. Gorgeous, no absolutely okay. gorgeous. Uh, so seasons four and five, okay, not much with the dismembering, but twenty four, very much so with uh, the dismembering <laughs> and. Uh, Look, I just respect all right, a terrorist or any bad guy in the show who's willing to do what needs to be done. 
it, it, it makes them an, an effective villain. And yeah. uh, how would you compare the Al-Harazis to some of the other families we've seen on 24? I guess let's keep it to uh, any antagonistic families. So we have the Araz family, we have the Drazen family, we have the Salazar family. I guess those are the big three I, that come to mind. I, I gotta say, I, you know, on, on, the, on the subject of intimidation and, you know, just, just vibe, I, I think why I'm a little underwhelmed by this current family is because of what a great character Dina Araz was. So good. So good. And and I feel like maybe I'm unfairly comparing, um, especially because I like Michelle Fairley as an actress, especially from Game of Thrones, but, you know, when I think about Dina Ross, that's the vibe that I kind of want coming out of, you know, the, the this family, and, and, I, and I don't get that. Um, I like Navi as well. I thought Navi was one scary, scary oh, father. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah that too. Bruce, you do not disobey me. I, I mean, I believe... I saw him at a Best Buy, and I didn't want did, to disobey you him. You did see him at a Best Buy. Um, I've never seen him at the Best Buy. I've seen him in tons of other movies and TV shows. Yeah. He's always popping up in things. Um, and he and he plays like every race. He yeah. plays. <laughs> I mean, he plays every race. You know, every race, every ethnicity. Um, he's you know he's a Chicago cop on on The Good Wife. He's Spanish in or Hispanic in real life. Real life. Um, Serrano. Arabic on on Twenty Four. He's played uh, a soldier. He was in the recent Captain America movie towards the end. Oh. Um, so Was he Asian there? Uh, he might have been Asian. I would adopt uh, him as an Asian. You would adopt him as an Asian. As a fellow Asian, yeah. Well, I mean, start walking around Best Buy and see if you could find him. <laughs> Welcome right? to my family. You can have Changzi, uh, Spain. We'll take this guy. Just bring a, just bring a sign. Navi Araz, will you be my adoptive family? Will you family? be my adoptive okay. family? Uh but yeah, I, I mean, the Iraz family is probably the gold standard for antagonist yeah. or villain families on 24. Uh, the the thing, I like the Drazens. I mean, the Drazens are cool. I like, I like Alexis and Andre more than Victor. Victor was kind of a tack on at the end, but I, 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 I liked the, the strength of, of the two brothers, you know, yeah, as, sure. as, as the main antagonist, at least for the most, for the, for the majority of the of the early going, or I should say, the early going of the second half, um, and it felt it really did feel much more personal. Yes, from uh, it, more much more intimate, I should say, when when you when it comes to this is personal with the Drazen thing. It was still uh, with the Drazen thing, with the Victor thing, with their father coming into the fold. It was still personal, but it was less intimate. It was more just like, rar, you know, yeah, I'm well, the here, bad guy. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, and, and with the brothers, it was more intrigue and more more intimate. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess that's where I'd go. I mean, then I don't think there are any other terrorist families that we really uh, need to talk about. It's not something the show's done often. Right. So, so basically, uh, Jack Bauer found out about the Al-Harazi family, and he pieced together that Chris Tanner is being framed for flying... Uh, for flying the drones and shooting a missile, killing all the soldiers in Afghanistan, which uh, led Jack to get to the U.S. Embassy in London and Kate Morgan to get on his tail when she questioned the heroin dealer. And that led to just a, a terrific climax. Sequence. Oh, that was great. At the end of 9th grade. That, that was, it was 
fun, it was exciting, uh, it was intense, it was something the show, you know, hadn't done. It was, I mean, it was clearly a new extreme that Jack Bauer went to. Now he's They're shooting, shooting at us! He's shooting, innocent, he's shooting innocent people in the legs to create a diversion so he can get in. And that was definitely the most effective way to do it. Did he actually this, shoot a second person? I saw oh, him... He, no, I saw, I saw, it, him, I saw it Okay, twice. He shot a second person. Okay, I saw him clear... I saw blood coming out of the leg of the guy who shoved him. I, I don't remember seeing someone else actually get yeah, hit. Yeah, he shot but, another guy okay. in the calf, I believe. Okay. So, uh... <laughs> so, I thought that was great. And then Kate and Eric Ritter are on his tail. And that, that was really good. Uh, really, really good. And just the... I mean, I thought episode four was... The Jack stuff was just great. Him getting through the building, finding Chris Tanner, hiding in the walls, getting getting into the tech room, you know, shooting at the military point blank, Kate figuring it out. That was there was some really good stuff. The scene, the conversation Jack had with Heller. I uh, I mean, all just great, great, great. Uh, Audrey finding out about Jack. I would not have thought that was something that would have happened as early as episode. I I, I was stunned when Mark just kept. Just up and said, "Yeah, Jack Bauer." And I was like, "Wait, what? what? Yeah, that's that, that's probably uh, the first piece of evidence we've gotten on how these twelve episodes were functioning different than a twenty-four episode story. I think in a twenty-four episode story, they probably would have gotten to about episode six or seven before they said it, anything. But yeah, but before Audrey found out about him, they might have had just Mark and Heller find out about him, but just. That was Let's really not good. tell Audrey or whatever. Right. That was really good with Jack and Heller's conversation. And you, I know you commented to me you really liked the line that Mark had of, I don't know Jack Bauer, but I just know the damage he leaves in his wake. Um, yeah, that was such a good line. Uh, yeah, that, that and was... the one that, that Jack spat back at Heller, um, I can't remember exactly what it was, but I think Heller had, had in, intimated, like, why didn't you talk to my people? And he, he said something about along the lines of, you're the one who labeled me you know, what I am, you the one I was curious about that, that line, because he said your state department. Or something uh, like that, yeah. Your sta- so I wonder if that means the United States State Department, or was Heller potentially uh, Taylor's Secretary of State in Season 8? Obviously it's possible, or did Heller's State Department label Jack a terrorist when Heller took right. over uh, as president? All of, it's pos- all of that is possible. And remember, Jack should be labeled a criminal. He is <laughs> a criminal. Yes, uh, he not, did. not wanting to hear his side of the story is yeah. one thing, but you know Jack's Jack's criminal, and yeah. you know I like how they keep reminding us of that with line with scenes like that, or even things like Adrian Cross saying, "Hey, how about you be a little bit more courteous, cordial, yeah. okay, less of a blunt instrument." I mean, yeah. Jack Jack Bauer is. Uh, among the bluntest of instruments, that's for sure. sure. Um, so I've, re- I've rarely seen him smile. That's not that's not a malicious smile. And the only thing, the only clear one that I can remember is in episode one one. I'm sure he's done it since then. Oh but... no, no, come on, come on. He had many smiles in four one when he was all happy with Audrey, and then Jack Good. Bauer okay. uttered uttered the you know funniest or second funniest line in the show's history in four eight when he's dealing with Tony and Jen Slater. And Jen Slater's going she crazy. She seems sweet. Alright. And. She seems real sweet. She seems real sweet. And then, then Jack just smiled. Okay. Oh, and Jack's <laughs> life was so. When Jack's life was so good. Okay. When he wasn't that a he criminal. Could even, that he could even make jokes. 
Um, that's what he's trying to get back to. He's just trying to get Audrey back, okay, and then go to Tony's apartment and have a beer at 2 o'clock in the afternoon and watch a song. And what type of vessel? And a Cubs one. There you go. Okay. Very good. Just, just um, testing you. Come on. Anyway, <laughs> so, uh, but, yeah, just, just really good stuff there. And then that, uh, that led, what did you think about the closing moments in episode four with Kate really just getting in, into the thick of the situation and I protecting Jack? I like her a lot. I, it, you know, I, I, I don't know what other people's reactions are. I don't know if other people are thinking, oh, she's Renee 2.0 and I like Renee better, or if they're, or, or, or if they I, don't like her. I, I, I just like that, you know, that she is an experience experienced field agent who has many of the same instincts that Jack does, where Renee, Renee and this is not to discount Renee, I like her too, I don't like her more than Renee, and uh, certainly Well, but, she's, uh, four episodes with her is not the same. Right, sure, sure. But, you know, Renee was a different character of, of a sort of kind of like, she's she's a little a little green to the ways of you know, what it really means to have to make tough decisions, and right, then and she's by the of, book because she's following the oath of right. the FBI law, and, then, and also following the policy that's been put forth by the pre- the president at the time. Yeah, and you see her slowly learn, and then you see the aftermath of that. And I think what Kate represents is kind of that middle time period, or or, or at least she replaces what we would have missed from Renee had we followed her through uh, her time period of okay, I've met Jack Bauer, I've learned there's a different way to do things. And I'm in with this Russian mob, and I'm doing things a certain way. And now I'm all screwed up in the head. And the next time you see me is when I'm screwed up in the head. And Kate's kind of like that. What I would have pictured Renee to be had we followed her through her middle period. Uh, sure. And I like seeing that. And I like seeing that she's, you know, not just kind of like green like Renee is. She has experience. She has the chops. She knows something's wrong, and she she's willing to kind of take a chance on her gut feeling. And, and, yeah, I don't you know, think that's... she's like Renee at all. I think she's right. just very similar to Jack. You know, a lot of people are calling her Jackie Bauer. And, you know, the few people that I speak to, um, or the, few, the many people I've spoken to about 24, the response to Kate Morgan seems quite positive. Uh, so, yeah, I think that was just a great moment uh, of her coming down. She's saying to Jack that she believes him. She gets Jack to trust put his trust in somebody, which is not something that happens often, and it was that's, really yeah. powerful, and how protective she was of him, you know, it was just... When, just during during Again, the handcuffing, scene, you mean? During during the handcuffing, yep. you know, when the other Marines are looking at him, and she's throwing herself in front of his body. Yeah, she's like, and, step the fuck yeah, off. I mean, that, was, that was just another scene we haven't gotten, a, a, a pretty powerful moment, uh, a great moment for uh, Kate Morgan slash Yvonne Strahovski, so that's... Um, that was good. And uh, Sean Callery, of course, making the scene even better. Uh, that was, the, you know, the musical cue was great. It was uh, a partial reuse of uh, the music from the season four finale when Tony is reviving Jack. I got to listen. You know, I, I did yeah, not that's get to rewatch. It, it took me a second to think about to it. To think about it, yeah. Um, but about 20 or 30 minutes after the episode, um, I, I was able to, to figure it out. And that was... Uh, that was really cool, and that's where we ended off with Kate now believes Jack. Maybe she's going to get Benjamin Bratz, Steve Navarro on her side, but Jack's been arrested, and uh, hopefully Kate is going to take this information and get it uh, run up the ladder, and I guess that will likely be the you know next episode, the story of the next episode. I, I would imagine so. Uh, so I think 
you know, the, the show, the story is moving. The story flow has been pretty great. It feels, it feels organic to me. Uh, it doesn't feel like they're stretching anything out. It doesn't feel like they're rushing anything. What do you think about it? I, I'm inclined to agree. Uh, I've never had a moment where, despite my misgivings about episode three, I never found a moment where, like, I felt, okay, not much is really happening. I may not have been entirely immersed in some of those moments, but, you know, I, I've always felt that it was moving along at a brisk pace, as, as I hope it should, right? They sure. have half the time. Um, and I'm interested to see when the first time jump happens. So, so am I. Uh, you know, through four, they haven't done it. Uh, I'd be interested to see if they jump somewhere between episodes four and five. Uh, and, you know, we've been assuming that they're going to jump an hour. They might just jump a half hour and Jack's back at CIA. Sure. That'd be interesting. The yeah, following that, takes that place would, between... Yeah, the following X takes place 30. between 329 and 429. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, I'm all for things like that with uh, with this Live Another Day season. Uh, but right now, you know, the story flow is good. I mean, it's just crazy. We're four episodes in and that's actually a third of the season. It's, it's so... That's such a weird like thing to ha wrap my head around. Yeah, so I, I guess, you know, this will be interesting to see what they do from here. Will this be, is this going to be a 12-episode arc, let's say, or is this going to be a compressed 24 season? So, you know, mo right. most 24 seasons, there's a, a first story and a second story, or a first story, second story, and third story. Uh, it, you know, is this only going to, let's just use season two as an example. The first story is obviously... Stopping the nuclear bomb, and the second story right. is stopping the war. So is this only the stop the, bomb? the nuclear bomb story? And right. I'll be interested to see what they do. Or is this going to be, you know, the story just moves so quickly and they stop the proverbial nuclear bomb in episode seven, and then the last five episodes are taking care of the war slash fallout of that, that nuclear bomb. Right. But, you know, right now, I mean, I'm, I'm very pleased with... Uh, with the sequence of events and the pacing of everything. Yeah, I, I think through ep through four episodes, like I said, th three of them I've at least liked a lot to really loved. Uh, and, and I don't begrudge episode three for maybe being a little lull. I, I ha I'd have to watch it again, but um, my, fr my gut instinct says that I, I would call four so far um, probably my favorite episode. I was just um, going to ask you that. I, I would say it's it's the best one yeah. for me. I you know I, you know I was kind of thinking about this well before watching episode three. Episode three has typically been a really big episode uh, across all the twenty four seasons, mm. and you know you can't say you can't look at this season the same way as all the others because sure. three out of twenty four is different than three out of twelve. But uh, and again, I I liked episode three. Uh, but you know, episode th this was a. Uh, this uh, the fourth episode really was quite good. It ended with that powerhouse moment. I had so many other good things uh, in it. You know, we do have we had Heller addressing Parliament. We had Heller and Jack. So that's just bringing the you know the story threads together, which you always like to see. The sequence with Mummy chopping off the finger was good. That made Mummy. for a, a that made for a, a, quite a good episode of uh, twenty four. How would you compare this to episode four of various other seasons? Episode do four. You need, do you need a do you need a refresher? When or? was when was the CTU bombing in in season 
two? Was that three or four? Well, it happened at the end of three. So four was the fallout. Was the aftermath. And that also had Jack going down to track Joseph Wald, which led to the big reveal of Nina Myers. Season three's episode four was the fallout from Tony being shot and Jack uh, going to the prison, manipulating Kim to, uh, you know, do the transfer paper for Ramon Salazar and then uh, starting the prison riot. Uh, season four, episode four, was the Quickie Mart. That episode sucks. Uh, season five, episode four, was the one where uh, they finish up the uh, what do you call it? The, the hostage crisis. That one was pretty intense. That was good. Se- uh, season yeah. six, episode four, actually probably oh. is the winner. I mean, that's the last ten minutes, the craziest twenty ten minutes in twenty four history, where Jack kills Curtis and the bomb and goes then, off, and then the bomb goes off. And you also have all the good stuff with the whole Wallace family. Uh, so, I mean, that was, that was damn good. 620, uh, 6-4 is going to be hard to top. 6-4 six, six is really hard to top. 2-4 is hard to top. We actually didn't talk about 1-4. That's the one where, you know, Jack's basically, uh, trying to get out of the whole, like, CTU lockdown thing and then meets the cop in, uh, you know, some shady part of LA and she oh, gets right. caught. She gets right. shot. Uh, and, uh, you know, Dan, uh, Janet York's body is d- discovered and, that that was season one. Season seven, episode four. Uh, that was a transition episode, but such a good one because it had the. It was Tony, the art museum, right? The art gallery, Tony, art Jack, gallery. Bill, and Chloe. The, the explanation there. And then Jack getting in with David Emerson's crew, which that was all really, really good. And then you had uh, season eight, episode four. Was that? That was decent stuff. And then you had the Renee. Um, Renee cutting off Zia's thumb and Jack and Renee seeing each other, so that was a good one. Yeah. Um, but I would go with probably as an episode, this one's certainly better than three, four, five, I'd one, put it in the middle. eight. I mean, I think it's two, six, seven, and nine. This is probably, I think, even a little better than season seven, episode nine. So I'd go with it's uh, either the second or the third best of the episode fours behind two and six. Yeah, and, and, and one last thing about it is I was very happy that someone finally believed Tanner. I For some reason, I I feel so bad for that kid. Yeah, yeah, they're doing a good job with that. Probably more than I have, you know, f- with most innocent-ish people. Like, I, 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 there's something about him that I just... It, maybe it's because his boss was an asshole as well as him now being stuck in this rut. But I just felt so bad for him when, when that first happened to him. Yeah. So, anyway... I'm kind of talked out on this, but shorter than last week by about half. So, uh, you know, not as much introduce, introducing and prefacing. Or talking uh, about dairy products. Or d- dairy products. Um, but we had a, you know, a nice, I think a nice review of the two episodes as well as a really good, uh, you know, discussion about dating 24 characters. <laughs> Let let let's let's pull up that list for next time and 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 spend I'll, five I'll, minutes. I'll 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 think about it. I'll make a quick get. twenty-four a quick twenty-four list or something. But um, I guess uh, until next time, whatever happened here it didn't happen. Shut it down. Shut it down. Thanks for listening to Twenty Four Cast Another Day. If you have questions or comments, you can tweet David at DeepSky24MDNA, that's the number 24, and Austin at Mr. Chupon, that's M-R-C-H-U-P-O-N. Or you can drop us a line at our podcast page at 24ladcast.tumblr.com. Again, that's the number 24.
Please keep them scoped to anything about the most recent episode to date and prior. No questions or comments about reported rumors or spoilers about future episodes, or even anything you saw in the promo for next week's episode. We really don't like spoilers. Thanks a lot.